All the second stage tanks now pressurized. 35 seconds and counting. We are still going. Welcome. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending. Are we beginning to see the formation of a fundamental shift in the American dream of home ownership? A weekly mortgage market update. 20 seconds and counting. Providing up-to-the-minute information of Chinese investors in the real estate market. And they're really starting to have an impact, but it's only... On interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. If you look at it on a dollar value, it's significant. If you look at it on a unit basis, it's inconsequential to the overall big market. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646-716-4972. Here's the deal. How much of the market, real estate market, is comprised of this type of property? 12, 11, 10, 9, ignition sequence start. And now, here's Five, your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin. Folks, I'm really excited to have as our special guest on this New Year Day, Matt Reddick. Matt is a number one best-selling author. His first book was Fiscal Fitness, Eight Steps to Wealth and Health. And the book that became the number one bestseller was All the Rules Have Changed, What You Must Do to Succeed in the New Financial Reality. He's also an international speaker. He is also the president of Cool Springs Financial. Matt, so good to have you with us. David, it's great to be on the podcast with you today, kicking off this brand new year. It is a great way to do so, because one of the topics we want to talk about is what we can do to have a bigger impact on retaining top talent, and or our talent. Anyone that's in your company should be considered the top talent. And so we want to talk a little bit about that. But let's start off by kind of establishing the need, where the market is at. I am shocked and amazed the lack of engagement in the workforce today. Now, you and I both have careers we love, we're engaged, so we're in that minority percentage that love what we do, but the vast majority of people are not. Let's talk about that. You have tapped into some polls recently, one of which is the Gallup poll and some others. If you would talk about that. Yes, for business owners, it's quite a, uh, a difficult position to be in because the, the, the workplace, you know, back in 08 and 09, for every job opening, you might have 100 or more employees. But now everybody who wants a job is going to do a good job, has a job. And employees are kind of becoming restless with where they're at and looking elsewhere. And so companies don't want to lose their best people to the competition or an executive recruiter. Gallup poll just came out with their 2017 State of the American Workplace Report, David. And and it said that 51% of currently employed adults in the U.S. say that they are actively searching for new jobs or watching for new job opportunities. And this, by the way, is way up from 2012, five years ago, when only 19% were, were uh, looking. Oh, interesting. So one of, their, one of their suggestions was that organizations that rely on, I love this, world-class talent must find more creative ways of re-recruiting their top performers to keep them with that company. That's really interesting statistic. Over half of the employment, now this is true, this is across all markets, so you know, I, I suspect and I have evidence that it is even worse in the mortgage industry, but just using the historic numbers, that is, that's significant. Any other data points that kind of help us really get an understanding of where the workforce is at today? 
Yes. Tiny Pulse did a study two years ago in 2015, an extensive survey. You know, a lot of studies are, or surveys are of 5,000 people or 10,000 people, David. This was 500 organizations worldwide with over 400,000 anonymous employee responses. responses. Wow. And what they discovered was that 78% of today's business leaders rate engagement and retention as one of their top concerns. So engagement, of course, revolves around keeping people happy, keeping them in place, good environment, good conditions, good coworkers, but the retention part is equally as important as keeping them for the long run because the cost to you know, replace a good CEO or mid-manager or VP or bottom line the boots on the ground person can be quite expensive. You know, we have the cost of bringing someone on board, getting them up to speed, but what's the overall cost of retention or, worse yet, turnover? Well, there's a couple of studies I've looked at, look at both the time and the money involved, the hassle of having to put ads out in the paper or have an executive recruiter looking for you and then interviewing process and then, you know, having them take some different tests to figure out their strengths and weaknesses. And it, it just takes a lot of time, but on the cost standpoint, Forbes magazine had an article about a year and a half ago that was titled, What Was Management Thinking? And it said the high cost of employee turnover. And they, they showed it uh, the, this study in three different areas. One was entry-level people, mid-level, and high-level. And they said for the entry-level person of a salary of $40,000, the hard cost dollars to the company is anywhere from 30 to 50% of that annual compensation to get a good replacement there. Well, if you figure $40,000 salary times middle of the road 40%, that's $16,000 in hard cost from the company's bottom line. The mid-level, mid-level of $80,000 salary was 150% of annual compensation or $120,000 cost to the company. And the high level of 120,000 salary, they're showing at 400% of the annual compensation, which would be about $480,000 to replace that person. So most every industry I've talked with, actually everyone I've talked with, David, are concerned about number one, keeping their best people in place. And then number two, you know, being able to recruit and bring on board the top talent in their area of expertise that they need. Why do you think that is? I, I, I have a reason, but I'm interested in hearing your reason first. Well, the job market, it, you know, it appears unemployment is going down. There's more and more businesses that are popping up all the time. The market's been on a run for nine and a half years now. Everything is very prosperous. Everything is very positive. You know, in, employees we're finding out are, are, are looking for advancements. They're looking for something more than just a salary, a couple of weeks vacation, um, and one of the statistics that, that I found with Tiny Pulse study found that 23% of those surveyed would leave their current employer for only a 10% raise, which wow. seems very little. Especially when you look at the cost of replacing that person, that 10% loss, uh, that gain for them is actually costing the company they're leaving. You know, just yeah. use the medium, median study, 100, up to $120,000, maybe four hundred eighty if they're at the higher end. Exactly. That's amazing. Exactly. One other study I want to chat about here that's, that really is very pointed and very gets to the point very well is Malcolm Moore, an employee retention expert, said this. He said, as a CEO, you only have to do two things exceptionally well. Number one is set the vision and strategic direction of the company. And number two is find and retain the key people who will help you to attain that vision. And what he said, David, one of the best ways of retaining your best people is providing some type of valuable future compensation, kind of a valuable future compensation plan, so that when recruiters 
call your top people, which they have, they will, and they will continue to do so, but the recruiter will hear this being said by your employee, which is, hey, you know what, your offer sounds great, but I'm participating in a profit sharing or stock option plan or deferred compensation plan. I really can't afford to leave. That's what you want your employees to say when you're not listening and they're talking to a recruiter. You and I were talking earlier and you say there's basically three essential ingredients to effective incentive and retention plans. Talk about those if you will. Yeah, yeah and this again comes from Malcolm Moore. I've got to give him credit and it makes so much sense. And he said, number one, the compensation is deferred. In other words, it's later money. It's not now money. You've got salary, you've got bonus structure, you've got an expense account, you have a car. But this compensation is deferred. It's, it's later money. Number two, there is a vesting period that takes place over a number of years. That vesting period could be whatever the company wants. It could be seven years, 10 years, 12, 15, really whatever they want to design it, but it's a, there's a vesting period. And number three is that the key employee has a substantial amount of money at risk or at stake, you might say, if they walk away. Those are, those are the three ingredients. Okay, so how does this play into, like, millennials? Uh, there's a lot of studies out about millennials that like to move around. They want freedom. Yes. Yeah. Does this have a negative downside where people are in a job, they want to move, but they feel trapped? How do you overcome the feeling of entrapment? Oh, that is a great question, David, because the study from uh, Tiny Pulse and a few others show that compensation is a part of the formula in keeping good people. But culture, uh, if they feel valued, in the, in the Tiny Pulse study, they found out that only 31% of the 400,000 people that responded to their study, only 31% said that they felt valued or appreciated by wow. the company, which meant 69% said they felt undervalued and underappreciated. So you have to have the culture of appreciation, of input, of, of environment, Along with that, if you have for the millennials opportunities to, they do want to grow, they want to expand, they want to be challenged, they want some flexibility, by the way, which I love because it's not about being in the office from 8 to 5 p.m. every day. It's about, okay, let's get this job done. Let's move this company forward. Let's be profitable. And along with that, uh, flexibility and environment, if you have the necessary financial incentive for them to stay with you, and it's a substantial amount, you've got the magic formula. So it is a financial handcuffs are a terrible word there because it, you handcuffs would imply there's a bad culture. I'm there. I'm locked in. I don't want to be here, but I'm really locked in. Then there is the concept of bringing, creating a great culture, which we talk a lot and do a lot of consulting on. And then when you have a good culture combined with a really good financial incentive, that that's yeah. really interesting. You talked about there's a new number one fear that most Americans have, and it's not death. Talk about that. No. No, it's funny that, you know, the old saying is number one fear most people have is, uh, is not death. It's speaking in front of a group. Uh, that's kind yeah. of a little you know, tongue-in-cheek <laughs> yeah. thing. But uh, Allianz, uh, which is an insurance company, Allianz of North America, did a study entitled the Allianz Reclaiming the Future Study. And they found, David, the number one fear of most Americans today is not death. It's running out of money in retirement. 61% said that's their number one fear, and for good reason, because the U.S. Census Bureau says that we have more people entering the 80s, 90s, and century mark than ever before in history. As a matter of fact, the over 90 age group is the fastest growing segment of our population, which simply Amazing. means that our money has to last at least as long as we do, 
And statistics are now showing that we could potentially live in retirement for more years than we work for a living. That's so amazing. If, yeah, That's it, amazing. It really the is. consequences of that are, uh, are far-reaching. So if you're planning to stay retired for an extended period of time for the rest of your life after you retire and not have to go back to work, it's important that you have a plan. But this really serves into an advantage. And your yes. company, Cool Springs Financial, has come mm-hmm. up with some really interesting ways in which you can really work. So I love the partnership that we're forming here, working together, Matt. We work a lot on culture, and we're going to, you and I are going to be working a lot in 2018 on crafting plans. I'll work on the culture side of it, but you talk, I want to talk you to talk about the solution. What are some things that executives can do, or business owners can do, executive teams can do to really address this one issue, the number one fear about not having enough money when they retire. And then second of all, how do you create plans and make them affordable? Talk about that. Oh, great question, great question. I like to, at this point, when I'm talking or being interviewed, to say the $64,000 question for business owners is this. So how do companies or our company find the very best ways to keep our best talent on board for the long term by incentivizing them with a concrete plan that secures their financial future, and we can do it with tax-free income for life when they retire. And so what we that have- That sounds like a great South. I mean, we've heard this tax-free income for the rest. I mean, it sounds yeah. like one of those infomercials on TV that you go like, <laughs> another salesman giving me another bunch of flack, where's the catch? What's the but this does not. This is actually an amazing, effective tool for employers yeah. and employees. Talk about it. Yes, it really is. Uh, Cool Springs Financial has been uh, in this field, uh, what we call kind of financial solutions, proprietary financial solutions for 17 years. Um, We work with a number of high-end banks, uh, insurance companies, marketing experts with over 200 years of total experience. And we have crafted something that's very, very unique in the marketplace that has essentially for the uh, employee, there's no out-of-pocket cost for the employee whatsoever. So it's not like an IRA or 401k that they have put money into. It's very little cost for the employer themselves, for the company. It does, as I mentioned, provide tax-free income for life for the individual employee. For the company, it's an off-cycle implementation, so it's not crammed in October and November with your you know, 401k reallocations or your health plans or your flex plans. And it's selective-based which simply means that you can discriminate or select who it is that are your top performers that you want to offer it to. That's a little background there, David. But we, we work with, give an idea, with some of the top banks such as Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan, U.S. Bank, BNY Mellon, and some insurance carriers, uh, household names like John Hancock, Lincoln Financial, Nationwide, Pacific Life, Penn Mutual, Zurich. And with these institutions, we have created a very unique retirement plan that does provide tax-free income for the employee if they stay within the number of years that the employer wants them to stay, and it costs the employee nothing and the employer very little. Now, you're going to ask, okay, so Matt, how, yeah. how does that, how does that <laughs> work? Essentially, it all comes from what's called the premium financing industry, which has been going on for 50 years that I won't get into specifically now, but it's now, you know, we, we, we developed some proprietary plans that are more structured uh, financing where the bank is actually financing the retirement of these people. And it's called leveraged arbitrage. We're borrowing money at like 3 to 4% and making 7 8 or 9% on that money. 
And so the bank is funding all of the premiums into a very unique life insurance plan that as that builds equity within the plan itself, and anywhere from usually 10 to 12 to 15 years, the employee can begin to take money out of that plan, and money coming out as a so-called loan is tax-free. So it's just like if you had equity in your home of $200,000, and you decided to take out $100,000 with the local bank, that $100,000 is tax-free. And so that's, that's essentially how it, how it works. And we have now over 1,100 clients with over $8 billion of first-year premiums being paid by banks with not one penny out-of-pocket by the employee or employer for any of the premiums paid by the New York banks. It's amazing. It almost sounds too good to be true. Yeah, I mean, that is extraordinary numbers. Again, sounds too good to be true. The the insurance companies, are they for this, or do they see a plan like this and and go, ugh, we don't like this? Or, I I I mean, they're in the business of selling insurance. As long as the premiums get paid, I would suspect they're happy. Uh, Talk about the financing aspect of this. Yeah, actually, the the, the banks love this because there is no attrition or there's no default on these type of uh, plans. You know, when, when banks loan people money for an automobile or a house or a you know, business expansion, there's always a small percentage of defaults. With this, there's no defaults because no one's been able to figure out how not to die eventually. So the company will get back <laughs> their, their premium dollars that becomes a loan inside the policy with interest when the individual passes away, whether it's a couple of years from now or 40 or 50 years from now. So they get tax-free income back. So they're very, very happy with this plan. Now, to give you some background, if this is an individual, let's say someone's listening to the podcast and, and they're, they're an individual business owner. To qualify, two things have to happen. Number one, your health has to be good enough to qualify for a multi-million dollar policy. Number two is that you have to earn at least half a million dollars a year in total gross income, including bonuses, or have a $5 million net worth. So if you're an individual business owner, that's, that's the parameters right there. The banks so don't that, want to that's work with So that's going to exclude some number of individuals right there. Correct. So, I mean, if your company doesn't have it, you're trying to do this, and you're just a, a sole proprietor or, or a small company, mm-hmm. you can't do that. So individuals can't mm-hmm. go out and do this kind of financing. So how no. big do you have to be? Okay, great question, because here's where it gets really fun and very attractive and is very appealing for employees and employers. Let's say that we're, you're, 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 somebody who's listening to the podcast has uh, – you know, 100 employees, and they want to offer this to, let's say, their 20 best people. The great thing about this plan, it becomes what's called a COLE plan, which is an acronym for Company-Owned Life Insurance Plan. With a COLE plan of at least 20 employees or more, there is no underwriting, which means that if you had a woman who had cancer last year and a guy who had a heart attack uh, two years ago, someone had a stroke six months ago, all of those people are grafted in. There's no underwriting. And there's no requirement on assets for the individual employees. And as far as annual income, it's it's like fifty or sixty thousand dollars a year they have to make. So the requirements for an individual business owner is a lot different than a company-owned life insurance plan, where you can get most of your people involved, and there's no underwriting requirements based on health, and, and no big income requirement either. Is this just for the big guys, or can smaller companies take advantage of this? And if so, how small can you get this down to? Well, interesting you ask that, because I just had someone that I talked with at 11 o'clock this morning who's the CEO of a, of a company, a small company, 
and he and his CFO, I guess they have about 30 employees, and they were looking at it for themselves and maybe one or two other people. It, there's really no minimum number of, of, of people, but again, uh, those people will have to go through uh, medical underwriting, and they're very good shape. They're non-smokers, but if you have at least 20 or more employees, there's no medical underwriting at all. So yeah, that's, that's okay. an advantage for a little bit larger companies. And we're talking to today, I mean, we, we've got universities, we've got major retail, major restaurants that want to put 1,000 people, 2,000, 5,000 people on this program to keep their best managers, their best you know, vice presidents, their best people on the street uh, with them for the long term. The advantages for employees to have a program are extraordinary. Why would an employer not make this available to virtually all of their employees? Mm-hmm. Well, I think what they, you know, there, there are, that's a good question. But the truth of the matter is that not every company really wants to keep everyone that they have on board. <laughs> right, that's there, true. There, there are some problem children, problem, you know, childs out there that, um, that you know, if, if they go or they may get fired and they may get, you know, just laid off. So what it does is it gives the employer, David, the freedom, you know, not under the ERISA laws and all that with deferred compensation plans and uh, uh, other retirement plans where you've got to treat everybody equal. You can actually, I don't like to use the word discriminate, but you get to pick and choose. You get to select who are your best performers at all levels and give them this opportunity. Now, if some of those people that are kind of riding the fence and you know one day become a really top performer and you want to reward them with this later, you certainly can. So it gives the employer all of the all of the say so. Looking at the time we have, I'm, I, there's so much to learn about this. So you could do this with a company and avoid underwriting with a company with as little as 20 employees. Is that correct? Is, they, is, that, a, is correct. that the bottom, kind of like the entry level there to, yes, uh, to go? Okay. So any employer that has a really solid employee, for example, it was heard that one of their employees was struggling with a health issue and they were really valuable to them. What they could do is provide for that employee and their family a tremendous benefit and it's basically at no cost to the employee. And if I understand you, what you're saying is no cost to the employer. Uh, or very, no cost? very little, very little cost. The the bank is going to pay all the premiums on this very unique retirement strategy, and the employer will pay up to uh, two years interest on the first two years of premiums being paid by the bank. And that's, okay. I say, up to, because there's a way that... So they're paying interest on the premiums, not the total total amount. It's right. just on the... Okay. On the first so, two years. And what kind of cost is that? Are we talking about for, let's say, a half a million dollar policy for someone? Any idea on that? I'm putting you on the spot on that one. Sorry about that, but... Well, yeah, yeah. I mean... 250000 What you got? Give me an example. Let's say, let's say someone who has a 50-year-old uh, $10 million policy, that's going to be $550,000 a premium for seven years. It's called seven pay. So the bank's right. going to put in $3.7 million, $3.7 million. It all comes from the bank. The employer would pay the interest on the first two years of premiums, which comes to only about $70,000. Okay. So the bank puts in That's on a $10 million policy. That's exactly right. On a $10 million wow. policy. Yep. Yep. And there's a way that the, at the employer actually doesn't even have to pay the, the interest on that, there's some ways that we can handle that with a line of credit with their bank, and, and so they can actually be, have no money out of pocket, but that's the very most that they would have 
is interest well, that raises two years of premiums. This really raises an interesting question. Is there, I mean, what if they're that person's needs? They're well covered, and it's going to be a great incentive for them to have as little as a half a million dollar policy, not a ten million dollar policy. Is there any floor in the amount of insurance that someone could yes. provide for them? Yes, yes, that's, that's a very good question. Based on with the Coley program, company-owned life insurance with no underwriting, based on the number of employees in the plan, there is a multiple that is used. So with the Coley plan, up to $4 million of life insurance is the maximum that you can get without any underwriting. Now, if a company okay. had a C-suite of people, CEOs, CFOs, COOs that wanted like $10 million or $20 million, then the amount above the $4 million would, would go uh, through underwriting based on, okay. their, based on their health. But the first $4 million or up to $4 million is no underwriting at all. So, so that really is an advantage for you can save that carve-out, if you will, the $4 million carve-out, to take care of some specific needs and be a real blessing to those that might have oh. very definite, very challenging needs, uh, health needs, and maybe yes. facing death. I mean, to, to do that for yes. their families is tremendous oh. when they wouldn't have any shot at providing a benefit to their families otherwise. No, that's exactly right. We're, we're actually, we're, our goal at Cool Springs Financial is to change the face of how people are re, get to retire with tax-free income. And you talk about creating a culture of appreciation and thankfulness and gratitude when the word gets out that ABC Company is offering this unique plan to their employees regardless of their health to secure their financial future when they retire and even when they pass away. I mean, you're going to have a reputation that you couldn't buy, you know, that with. As we get closer, let me mention the bottom line of what this kind of means to, uh, to some workers of maybe a company. Let's just say, because I want people to say, well, what would that mean to me possibly? Let's say we have a 45-year-old chief marketing officer for a mid-sized manufacturer. Her name's Maggie. She currently makes $250,000 a year. Again, she's 45. She's in pretty good health. If she waited to age 65, which is 40 years, I'm sorry, 20 years of compounding interest in this, she'd have about $300,000 a year tax-free income, which would you'd need gross about 500,000 to end up with 300,000. Some people may not want to wait until the so-called magic age of 65. So if she waited 15 years from age 45 to age 60, she can start pulling out about $200,000. So, you know, if people want to retire wow. early or use that money for education for kids or grandkids, they can do that. And then she also has between 5 and $6 million as a death benefit, tax-free, income tax-free, that will go to her heirs. So that's a 45-year-old uh, chief marketing officer. Now, let's say we got a guy yeah. named Kyle who's, who's 35, and he's, let's say, right. a senior project manager for a tech company. You know, right. tech, by the way, the number one turnover in any in industry is in the tech field. <laughs> yep. But here's a, here's a 35-year-old senior project manager for a tech company. He's making 125000 a year. Again, he has this program. The employer has the vesting schedule. He meets the vesting schedule. Well, if he waits for 30 years until he's 65, he can pull out 400000 a year in tax-free income, which is about 600000 gross. Well, let's just say at 35, at you know, age 50, he wants to start tapping some money to you know, pay off some things, pay off his house. He's got kids in college and all of that. At that age, he'd have uh, about one hundred dollars or $190,000 of tax-free income. Amazing. So obviously, the longer you leave it in there, the more that it compounds and the more you can take out in the future. 
But the great thing here, David, is it's flexible. It's completely up to the individual employee when they want to start taking money out and kind of how much based on the value of their policy compared to the loan balance, which will go back to the bank when they, when they pass away. You know, all this sounds to be almost, again, keeps coming back to too good to be true. But there are some great stories out there that are true, that are well documented. Talk about Jim Harbaugh, the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines, <laughs> and how that school used this program to lock him in probably for the rest of his collegiate oh, career yeah. as a coach. Oh, yeah. I'm from Detroit, so, you know, my blood is blue and gold. Um, and Jim Harbaugh, of course, is a, is a world-class athlete and coach. Everybody knows Jim Harbaugh. And how, how this got, you know, the word got out, ESPN did an article on it, Fortune Magazine did an article, uh, Think Advisor did an article, and it all revolved around what happened last year, and that is that he renegotiated his contract with Michigan. University of Michigan wanted to keep Jim Harbaugh with him for the rest of his coaching career, and Jim Harbaugh realized that he could create some substantial tax-free income with this kind of a program, so they went and negotiated it, and he got a little more salary, but essentially the university is, is funding $4 million a year into this plan for the next six years, and when Jim does retire, he's going to have an amazing, a multi-million dollar tax-free income coming to him wow. and a huge, huge death benefit to his heirs. When this came out, uh, when we've gotten calls from University of Florida, from I mean, I won't even mention who they are. They're just a lot of a lot of uh, uh, in financial institutions as well as universities that uh, want to know how this can work for them, and not just, by the way, David, in keeping their 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 sports coaches, but how to keep right. their faculty, how to keep their professors, right. because professors will leave too. <laughs> to, That's to, right. Uh, Editor for an extra ten thousand dollars a year. You know, I mean, That's so money, money, money talks, and everything else kind of walks at this level. And we've just found a, a unique niche that really it, it, it satisfies the number one fear that most Americans have, and it fulfills the goal every CEO has, which is keeping their best people with their butts in the seats on the bus, as Jim Collins used to say in his book Good. To I love it. Yeah, that's a great book. One of the things you mentioned earlier was that this is a quote-unquote company-owned plan. What if the yeah. company closes, goes out of business, mm -hmm. is bought by another company? You know, we've heard so many horror stories, Matt, about mm -hmm. how employees have lost their entire pension over that. Is there yes. any potential for loss uh, of the, uh, the benefits to an employee if something traumatic or devastating happens to the company? How does that work? Very good question. You know, I'll mention that one of the, the pros of the old traditional pension plan years ago in the 40s, 50s, and 60s was you had an income for life. The problem is that it became a liability for the company, and uh, Citigroup did a study, found the top 25 underfunded plans in the S&P 500 are underfunded by $225 billion. They're not keeping up with what they need to pay out because they didn't get the returns they were expecting, and people are living longer. So that's why there's no new pension plans. The deferred compensation plan, which you could defer income, it would grow tax-deferred for, for later, that actually becomes an asset of the company. So when companies sell like Enron and Lehman Brothers and even Logan's Restaurant here went into bankruptcy last year and Chrysler several years ago, 
all of those deferred comp plans vanish because creditors get first place before the individual employee does. So those plans don't work at all. What works well with this kind of a plan is that every policy has three important positions, David. They have the insured, they have the owner, and they have the beneficiary. So the insured is going to be the employee, obviously. The owner initially will be the company. The beneficiary, in most cases, is, is, is the employee, and the employer may, you know, want 25% of it or 10% of it until the vesting schedule. So if the individual passed away, you know, the company gets uh, some money for replacement. But right. what happens is, is, is that, uh, first of all, once vesting takes place, whether it's seven years or 10 years, there's a transfer of ownership from the company to the individual. So they're not only the insured then, but they're the owner and they're 100% beneficiary, their family is 100% beneficiary of the policy. Now, what happens if the company, first of all, is bought by a bigger you know, competitor? Well, that, right. that, is, that, that is a part of the sale and, and the new company coming in, and this would all be written up you know, by documentation from the existing company, that that would be a part of the sale because it is an asset of the company and you're keeping employees on board. So that becomes a part of the negotiation and a part of the sale price. So that's taken care of with that. Is there any scenario that can come to mind where the employee has received this benefit that has been basically paid for by this loan for the bank and covered by the guaranteed by the mortgage company in this case? Is there any chance that that employee could lose this? If so, how is that? Okay, very good question. One of the first questions employers ask us is, okay, let's say we had a 10-year vesting schedule for all these key people. And we could get a guy who quits in three years or we fire him for insubordination or sexual harassment or whatever. What happens to you know, his policy? And I said, well, you as the company have control of it at that point. If he left under good conditions, you could you know, forward that to him and, and give it to him. But if he did not leave under good conditions or you had to fire him, you can keep the policy if you like in, in, in years anywhere from 12 to 15. You can start drawing tax-free income that the company is going to get. And you can also keep the death benefit into the future when he passes away. The company will get a big influx of tax-free life insurance proceeds. So the company has the choice of either giving it to that employee to take with them or the company, rightfully so, can, can keep it if the employee quit or was fired, terminated. So that's really coming into the investing and the conditions for this. And there's some flexibility in how you set that up, correct? Exactly right. Yes, sir. That's exactly right. Now, this, th- we have only scratched the surface on this whole issue. It's really intriguing. And a lot of people, are, I suspect, that are going to listen to this go, I got to have my company check this out, or I as a business owner want to get this checked out. Mm-hmm. What is the best way for people to get a hold of you? And what is the process by which you work through it? What, are, what could they anticipate? Good question. I'll answer that in two parts. The best way is either contact me by email, which is mreddick, R-E-T as in Tom, T as in Tom, I-C-K, at coolspringsfinancial.com, or they can call the office, which is 615-656-2525. Again, 615-656-2525. That'd be the two best ways. And normally what we do on an individual company basis, if they're local, I, I meet with them personally. If not, um, I have four or five different join.me presentations depending on who I'm talking with, that we can go through like a 30-minute presentation with their computer, wherever they happen to be, and uh, they can kind of see this in print. Fascinating. What's the time frame to set one of these 
kind of programs up for a, for a small to medium-sized company? Normally, I would say probably 60 to 90 days. Okay. For a larger company, someone that has over 1,000 employees, same time frame? Uh, yeah, I'd say maybe three to four months, three to four months. Okay. There's, there's some, some, some parts, you know, it's just multiplied by 100 or by 1,000. So it, it, doesn't take, it doesn't take all that long, but there's, there are certain things that we have to receive from the individual or individual company. And so it, uh, I like to kind of go to the longer end of it. It may come a lot shorter, but uh, that's, that's traditionally what I like to tell people. Are there any risks of this program going away through, you know, legislation or regulation? You know, there's no time that the regulators will do or the government will do. However, life insurance proceeds have always been tax-free, income tax-free. Borrowing money from your, your home equity or equity from your company or a life insurance policy has always been tax-free. I don't see that that changing at all. I mean, the, the insurance industry itself is stronger and has more assets than all of the banks in the world combined and all of the oil companies in the world combined. So these are major, major entities with huge lobbying uh, capabilities, and I don't see uh, or perceive anything along this area changing. This is encouraging. It's fascinating. I encourage our listeners to get a hold of you. The contact information to get a hold of you, again, Matt, is? Yeah, yeah. Email uh, mretick, R-E-T-T-I-C-K, at coolspringsfinancial.com, or you can call my office at 615-656-2525. Once more, 615-656-2525. And if you miss me, just leave a message, and I will get right back to you. I encourage you to get to know Matt, folks, for a number of reasons. I know him personally. I know he and his wife. I've stayed in their home. These are good people, and they'll give you a lot of good ideas. They are a giving couple. They're a giving business, and you'll get a lot more out of it, even if you don't go through with the plan. I can't imagine why anyone wouldn't want to offer a plan like this to employees across the board, especially the ones you want to hold on to for the rest of their careers. Matt, thanks so much for taking time to be with us. Appreciate you so much. Be sure to say hi to Michelle. I will, David. Thanks again for the opportunity, and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.